Okay, but uh, nevertheless, four, four lessons or three were in the same mess we went in for the last two or three weeks, which is hard lessons, okay? Difficult lessons. And again, they're intended to make you ready for a new preacher, which you'll be getting, uh, because I just have to deliver bad news week after week. Somebody asked me after the eight o'clock, are we gonna get beat up again next Sunday? At any rate, I'll try not to do that today, but it's tough with these lessons. All right, so in a sense, life can be seen as a process of learning what's expected of us, right? Learning to produce the fruit that's required. We, we enter this world knowing virtually nothing, I think, about expectations or producing. At first, we don't see anyone requiring anything of us. Our job as babies, of course, is to eat, sleep, you know, grow, uh, maybe burp once in a while or, or whatever, but that's kind of it, right? No real expectations, it's instinctive. Gradually, over time, we become aware that things are expected of us, that fruit is required in our lives. Our parents and later our teachers try to get us to, well, to smile, to, to babble, to crawl, walk, talk, finally, and to read, ride a bike, you know, learn math, and at first, we probably go into that process, at least speaking personally, not really thinking, gee, somebody wants me to produce something. But we figure it out eventually, somewhere along the way. I used to say middle school or high school, but now it's actually, I think, in preschool, you figure it out that something is being required of you. There are expectations. Other people are insisting, I do well, get good grades, prepare for the future, get into sports and music. As they say, build a resume. They used to say that to high school students, now they say it in preschool, right? Build a resume. Somewhere along the way, we realize that there are requirements for fruitfulness in this life. They're coming from outside of us for the most part. The world has expectations. and, you know, later, I don't know, maybe 30s, 40s, we figure out that this is never going away. It's just the way the world is. Expectations bearing fruit. I got an example. I, I learned this in law school. Uh, you get in, you, you know, you're striving at undergrad to get into the good law school. You get into the good law school and you think, you know, ah, I've made it. That's until the first minute of the first class right? Then you realize this is going to be really hard. And these other people, they all got into this school too. And I've got to get top grades if I'm going to get a good job in a law law firm. How's that going to work? And then, okay, let's say you do well, God blesses you and you get out and you get a good, into a good firm and you think, whew, I made it. That lasts about a minute and a half. And then you realize, wait a minute, I've got to now produce good work. Day in, day out, the more hours, the better, and keep the quality up. And then finally you get to thinking, well, you know, I can make partner in the firm. And then you make partner and you think, I've made it. No, no, no. Then you figure out you got to bring in more clients and produce a lot of revenue if you're going to stay apart. You get it, right? You understand this is the way life works. Anybody miss that sort of progress in their life? I doubt it. Life can be a process of discovering what fruit's required. And of course I'm on about that because that was certainly the case for God's people Israel. One of the key metaphors the Lord uses for his people, the Israelites, is used a dozen times or more in the Old Testament, is a vineyard. That's the metaphor. His people Israel are God's vineyard. 
expected by him and required by him to produce good fruit. That's our reading from Isaiah today. The prophet and the Lord himself here are singing about God's vineyard, how the Lord did everything for it. He dug it, he cleared it, he planted it with choice vines. There's a wine vat and a watchtower ahead. He's done everything to establish the vineyard, and he looked for the vineyard to produce good fruit. Justice, righteousness, Isaiah says, generally that they would follow God's law, they would have godly living, just society, care for the poor and the needy, and the ultimate fruit would be that they would be a witness to the nations. Living under God's law would appear to the world to be such a blessing, such a good thing that the nations would be drawn to it to make the Lord God their God. They were a light to the nations. And God says here, to, uh, through Isaiah that he's done everything he could do for the vineyard and they did not produce good fruit. They did not produce the fruit of justice and righteousness and obedience. No, they produced wild grapes, he says. Don't let, and ever let, let anybody call you wild grape. It's not a good thing. Wild grapes, in other words, and we read throughout the prophets, they made alliances with foreign nations. They got into idolatry, worshiping all the gods around them. They got, even got into child sacrifice, which God says is, would never even crossed my mind to ask that that would happen. They did all manner of sins, oppressing the poor, lack of justice in the whole nine yards. And God says there, here through Isaiah, there are consequences for bad fruit for not producing the fruit that I require, the fruits of obedience, justice, and righteousness, the consequence is the vineyard will be destroyed. And it was. Psalm 80, psalmist is repeating the above. God has established a vineyard for Israel, he says. He brought the vine, that's his people, Israel, out of Egypt. He's cast the nations out of the promised land. He planted Israel there. He tended it. He prospered it until it was huge, covering the, the countryside. The rest of the psalm tells about how they turned away from the Lord. They ceased to call upon his name. They trusted in other gods. They produced bad fruit, and it had consequences. At this point, as the psalm is written, they are under threat. They're being attacked, and the psalmist says, they cry out to the Lord, restore us, save us. You prospered us, you made us into this vineyard. Don't let us be destroyed by our failures. Well, they were preserved ultimately out the other end, but only after they had been destroyed. The nation taken away from them, Israel overrun by foreigners, and they were carted off into exile. He did preserve a remnant, but it was only after the destruction. Now Jesus used this metaphor, the vineyard metaphor, many times. And in our gospel, the message is the same. God's people, Israel, are called to produce good fruit, required fruit, and if they will not, they will lose the vineyard. He's talking here, Jesus is talking here to Jews, and he's talking about Jews. And he's saying they've been set up by God to run the vineyard, to, to take care of the vineyard, to produce the fruit, but they have not produced good fruit. You wonder why they wanted him crucified. He stood up regularly and said things like this to the Jewish leadership. You people are not doing God's work. You're going to be destroyed. 
The owner sent prophets to you, those are the servants, to remind you to produce the fruit, produce the fruit, to call you to, and, and they rejected the prophets and killed them. They wanted to run the vineyard their own way. That's what he's telling them, and that's what they had done. And then he's prophesied God will send his own son to collect the fruit, and they will even kill the son because they want to keep the vineyard for themselves. The New Testament applies this concept to the church as well, this idea of the vineyard, the new people of God, that's us, the church, we're still required to produce good fruit. We'll get to some good news in just a minute, but right now, let's just follow the text where it's going. Jesus says if we are in him, we will bear much fruit, right? And if we don't bear good fruit, we'll be cut off and thrown into the fire. And if we, don't, we produce some good fruit, but not as much, we'll be pruned. So we produce more good fruit. Sorry, I don't write the stuff. It's just, what he, it's just what he said, all right? And Paul, in the epistle today, is kind of saying the same thing. He's calling the church to be as he is. I don't know about you, but I'm not really interested in shipwrecks and stoning and all of that. But Paul says, live like he does. He's an example to others. And he's calling folks to live as he lived, an evangelist, holding true to what they've attained in Christ, the fruit of godliness. In other words, bottom line, Christianity is not just a status. It's a call to action, to produce fruit. Christians are not just called out of something, out of sin and death, we're called into something, a new life, and it's a life that produces good fruit. We're not dead branches hanging off a vine, we're live branches, and we got leaves and fruit growing out at our tips, our extremities. Faith, as James says, without works is dead. Oh, just one more paragraph, and then we get some encouragement. Hold on. So the kingdom hasn't changed. The kingdom of God, the requirements of the kingdom haven't changed. The requirements for God's people haven't changed. Whether you call us a vineyard or branches on the vine, the test for real Christian life, for being alive, that hasn't changed. The test is good fruit. And the nature of the fruit hasn't changed either. We're called to be obedient. We talked about that last week, and amazing, some of you came back. It's great. But obedience, God requires and holy living, and purity, and righteousness, and justice, and care for the poor and the needy, and to woo people who don't know him to him. We do that by our witness, our love, and our service. So the question is, if uh, we're needing to bear fruit, how are we doing? Are we producing good fruit? Are we producing much fruit? Or are we producing any good fruit? Now, we developed a parish profile, you'll remember, over the last year, uh, nine, ten months, and in that, for purposes of recruiting a new rector, and that profile says, yes, actually, we're bearing a lot of good fruit. We've got a lot of good things going on, we're doing all, but it also reflected that in the hearts of many, we're not, well, we could do better. We could do better, particularly in certain areas. Many of us feel like we could do better in, in uh, Christian education, in raising up our younger generations in the faith, in unifying our diverse uh, congregations. 
I couldn't resist a laugh at eight, at eight o'clock. I said, now why would you want to go to 9.30? But anyway, they laughed. <laughs> but there is a desire to be feeling more like one body. And then a desire, a strong desire to be serving more in local ministry and leading folks to, more folks to discipleship. So that's the end of the bad news this morning. It's not really bad if you think about it. God has a plan for us. He has something for us to do. It's not sitting around watching TV. It's being active in his kingdom, producing fruit, alive in Christ, serving in faith. So it's not really bad news, but it seems like a load sometimes. But there is good news, excellent news. And that is that something has changed rather dramatically from the Old Testament picture of the vineyard as God's vineyard and the New Testament picture of the church as God's vineyard. And the difference is seen because Jesus changes the metaphor just a bit. Instead of the church being the vineyard which produces fruit, in Jesus' terminology, he's the vine in the vineyard. And we are branches of the vine. And that difference is all the difference in the world. We're not farmers or something tending something. We are branches of the vine and the vine produces the fruit through us. Different picture altogether. It's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. It's the difference between living under the law. You, are, you live based on producing fruit to living under grace where we live by faith in Jesus Christ and openness to the work of his spirit within us. It's the difference between saved by doing and saved by believing. I think, personally, God gave us Israel and the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, saved by fruit-bearing, by doing, by works, by the law. He gave us that in part to show us it's not possible. Israel, for what, 900 years, 1,000 years? They failed. They're great proof to us of what we can do on our own in the vineyard. And instead of that, we have, that's an object lesson on how not to succeed. Instead of that, we have his son, Jesus Christ, sent to deliver us from the obligations of the law, the punishment of the law, the, the sin and death, to die in our place, to cleanse us from sin, fill us with his Holy Spirit. I mean, why did he come and die for us? Why did we need to be cleansed and all of that? So we'd be fit vessels, you and I, for the Holy Spirit. God needed us clean, so to speak, so he could come live in us. And then we are empowered by the Spirit to do the work. We're empowered to abide in the vine. We're empowered to let the Lord live through us and produce the fruit that he does require, but not through effort, but through faith and openness to the work of the Spirit within us. We produce good fruit not by effort, but by abiding. To me, this is 
the good news that erases all the bad news. Yes, there are expectations. Yes, there are things that we need to be doing. But we do them not because we should or we ought to or there's a, there's a requirement. We do them because we're filled with the Spirit and we can't not do them. We're just motivated that way. Be filled with the Spirit. And then my, our expression around our house is you become the ever-ready bunny. You just keep going and going and going and going. Why? Because you're empowered to do it. And you can't really resist it and you love it. We produce fruit not by effort, but by abiding. And Jesus said that, remember, abide in me, and I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. It was not a command. It's a promise. That's what he will do in us if we will let him. So the point this morning is we embark, we're about to embark on a new season here with a new rector, a new leader. Our starting point, this is what I want to leave with you, our starting point is abiding in Jesus Christ, open to the work of the Spirit in and through us, seeking a fresh anointing and infilling of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, open to what he would do in us in producing the fruit that God is asking. The downside, here's, everything else is futile. We need to understand that what we do on our own power, our own strength, it is not gonna produce good fruit in the end. What we do in the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, that is what produces good fruit. Rest in Christ. Give our lives to the work of the Spirit within us and then watch him use you and me and everybody in this church to become uh, a light to the nations, a a fresh wind of his Spirit in our community. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you do uh, require things of us. And then what you require of us, you empower and bring to pass. Help us, Lord, to focus on you in faith, to abide, and to hear your voice. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.